Hey everyone, and welcome back to the Extinction Rebellion podcast. Today we're diving into episode two of our series about youth activism, and Alejandro's back with us as co-host. How are you doing, Alejandro? I'm doing pretty good. Hi everybody. Nice to be back. So last time we talked about what it's like to be a young person who's trying to keep up with school and plan for their future, as well as being really involved with organizing and activism, specifically around the climate and ecological crisis. I know for me, listening to the experiences that you and your peers have had makes me want to know what you need from adult organizers, like the practical things that older activists can do to make sure that youth voices are both heard and respected in this movement. Yeah, totally. That's like exactly what we're looking for. We just didn't want to share what our lives are like or point out some challenges when we work with adults, like both in XR and also in the wide climate justice movement. But we also wanted to offer some practical suggestions and ideas of how we can work together better. Yeah, we're all part of the same movement and we ultimately want the same thing, a livable planet and a just future. So I guess the question really is how can we make sure that we're on the same page? How do we avoid miscommunications or sort them out when they inevitably do happen right this is what this episode is all about i sat down with a couple of my fellow organizers um chrissy josie and jonathan to kind of talk about what exactly good allyship sounds like and we also chatted about like some unique perspectives that each group kind of brings to activism and how those different outlooks can kind of benefit each other let's hear it i think that the adults and youth activists are coming from two very uniquely but equal perspectives. You have adults who have, you know, been fighting for climate justice since before we were even thought about. Um, And then you also have us coming in as youth who have like this strong urge to like really fight hard since like this is our future and the ones that it's going to affect the most. So I think, um, I think the perspective and that relationship um, can be really, really interesting depending on the people and the organizations. Um, But I do think that it's a beautiful thing um, when it comes down to it. Yeah, I mean, I think that adults and we work really well next to each other. Um, I don't feel like there's like a huge power like difference because if you think about it, we're all working for the same cause which is to end the climate crisis um, and protect future generations so i think that i completely respect and appreciate what the adults are doing i agree i i think that at the end of the day we all have the same goal and so just keeping that at the forefront makes it easy to work with each other because like we're not enemies in this at all. And, you know, it is easier to do things as a collective. And when you're working together, like it's only gonna help. In my personal experience of organizing, I've definitely noticed though that I think adults and youth organize um, somewhat differently and have different practices, Um, especially within XR. I know there've been a lot of disputes between Um, youth and adult chapters. I don't know if you guys have experienced that um, just around like different values. What have you guys noticed just in terms of the differences between adult and youth activists and their organizing practices? So in my personal experience, when I've had um, maybe disagreements with adults who are in the movement, it hasn't been from um, an XR adult, like who was in the XR Charlotte chapter. I have heard several stories from other people, but I personally have just not experienced that. Um, 
I think it really comes down to like personal experience, obviously, as I said before, but I do think that adults and kids have a very different um, way of interacting and getting word out. I know our biggest struggle when we first um, were deciding how we were going to, you know, really market Extinction Rebellion youth in Charlotte and try to recruit members. We had so many adults who came to us and like just did not understand social media or like just did not understand how we were going to use social media to like connect with people and how that was going to be a real connection and how we could get members um, to like really listen to what was happening. So that was interesting. It wasn't a disagreement in a sense. It was more just like an opportunity to educate one another. Um, in a different sense, I do think that a lot of our working group members came in thinking that the adults were much more radical than the youth um, in their thoughts. Um, there are a lot of different um, power play dynamics that come um, to mind when people think of Extinction Rebellion, especially because we are known for arrestable actions. Um, and so I think that was kind of always at the forefront, at least for the working group members in Charlotte. Um, and so that was a discrepancy that we also kind of had to go over. But I mean, the biggest hurdle that we faced, honestly, was um, planning for Earth Day 2020. Um, we had some adults who were super passionate and had a different vision of what they wanted. And some of the adults that we have worked with were at the first Earth Day. And so they feel even more passionately about this because they've been following it for so many years. And we're coming in with, you know, maybe two years experience um, and being teenagers. And sometimes I think that our voices can be overshadowed because we haven't had those years of experience um, that they've had. But at the end of the day, like there's nothing we can do about not being alive during that time. I mean, so I think that you can't, you can't, um, you can't negate somebody's work, you know, just because of their age um, and discredit people because um, you were putting in work years before them. I think you kind of have to have that conversation of saying like, okay, I have been doing this and I have a lot that I can teach you, um, but I respect the work that you've put in as well. And I've seen the progress that you've been able to make um, and kind of like go from there. I really liked what Chrissy said about youth organizers not being able to help the fact that they aren't old enough to have been organizing for decades. As she said, it's not really our fault that we were born when we were. The thing that matters is that we're here now and that we're throwing so much effort and energy at the climate and ecological crisis. Um, but yeah, being young and fairly new to organizing is not a reason to discount anybody's contributions. Exactly, yeah. That's something that happens especially a lot when we're organizing big strikes or big events and have to bring in a bunch of different environmental groups for a coalition and it kind of results in a lot of press coverage. Sometimes people like want the attention and they lose sight of the fact that we're all fighting for the same thing and we need to hold and get space for different experiences and approach like different approaches. Like sometimes we're just brought in as like the token youth voice and adults especially just to be happy to be there. Um, but the fact is our look outlook isn't the same even in organizing or in just the climate justice movement in general. So our voices are necessary to kind of further the conversation. 
yeah it must be really annoying and even like just downright discouraging when that happens especially because a lot of the time youth organize their own events it's not like you're just like showing up to adult organized stuff you're doing your own thing so is it always like that are there times where it's a bit better um it's it's really annoying when it happens but it isn't the only thing we experience when we're organizing with adults like sometimes even when they're being annoying we sometimes know that they're meaning well but they're just sounding a little patronizing like they call us heroes or Chrissy said sheroes um and they're just when they're really just trying to be nice and supportive but it actually just adds a lot of pressure and like unneeded tension um Chrissy made this point really well have you guys ever experienced um, any form of tokenization or just any other sort of unbalanced power dynamics between yourselves and adult organizers? I have. I don't think there's ever any malintent behind it. I think that most of the adults that I've talked to, they are impressed with how much energy we give to the movement. And they acknowledge that by like using words like hero or we get Shiro a lot um, here, but we, um, you know, it's always like they're trying to be supportive and I think that is fantastic. I think it's just added pressure um, onto all the other youth that are like already feeling a lot of pressure. Um, I think they're well aware that we have um, this like kind of like clock ticking and it affects us more than it affects them and i think in some ways the the climate activists who have been fighting since um you know well before we were alive may feel like disappointed in themselves that they weren't able to fix this issue before it became ours and so i do think that makes for an interesting dynamic um between the two groups but as like a youth organizer, I don't feel like a hero. Like I don't wake up feeling like a hero. I wake up feeling a lot of things. I wake up feeling defeated sometimes. Like I wake up feeling tired. I wake up feeling hopeful sometimes, but I never am like, oh, yeah, like I'm just, I'm a hero and I'm changing this entire movement. Like we're gonna get this done. Um, and I think most of the time, the conversations that we've had in my working groups are like, we don't want to be here. Like, if we could have it any other way, we would rather not be here fighting for our, like, future. Um, you know, there's a lot of kids who are passionate and have, like, activities that they love, but they feel this call to action so much to climate activism that they put it to the side, you know? Like, we would love to just be regular kids and enjoy our childhood, um, and so I think that I'm deeply passionate about activism and organizing in the climate movement, but, um, that is something that I, that I do struggle with. Like, I don't want to be put on a pedestal and I don't want the expectations to be so high that, like, it feels not tangible. I agree. I think that, like, um... I, I love um, fighting the climate crisis, but at the same time, it's like, we shouldn't be here. The climate crisis shouldn't be this big of an issue that youth, adults, like everyone is so concerned with it. Like it shouldn't be like that. Um, so I think that um, 
yeah, I don't feel like a hero because I feel I feel like it's just my duty. That's what I have to do as a youth activist, as just a person in general. Like I feel like it's my duty to help do whatever I can, even though I shouldn't be. Um, I was just gonna add on to say uh, when Jonathan mentioned tokenization um, earlier that sometimes it does feel like youth are invited into spaces just for uh, a box to check. Um, And it definitely depends on the space that you're walking into. But some people, you know, want to just say that, like, they have included, like, a youth voice. Um, And that can be hard because sometimes you're, uh, my mom loves to say, like, you get a voice but not a vote. Um, And it, that's, that's hard, especially when you feel like your voice should be one of the loudest and your vote should count um, equally, if not more. Um, And so not being able to have that opportunity um, can sometimes really hurt. And I have experienced that as well. So in that sense. It's hard to hear that youth activists have to set aside some of the other things that they're really passionate about and that they'd rather be doing because the scope and the scale of the climate and ecological crisis is so massive that, you know, they feel like they're having to save their own future instead of just focusing on enjoying being young and learning the things that they need to learn. Maybe part of the tension between adult and youth activists is the fact that there's such a deep feeling of grief within the climate movement, I think, about the fact that, you know, some people have been organizing around this for decades, and yet things have only accelerated with the climate and ecological crisis and actually gotten worse. So I think that is really hard. You've done all this work and then you haven't made necessarily the dents that you would like to see. Um, But I guess that means this is a good time to pivot to some of those practical things that adults can do to be more mindful of their interactions with youth activists, because really we need to combine our powers and our unique perspectives. So what has your experience of organizing with adults within XR been like? Um, When I organized with XR, a lot of the beginning steps were kind of being dismissed as like some random activist even though like I was um, already part of XR Youth I was already an action coordinator for XR Youth Um, but they kind of saw me as a little kid that like I remember my first um, I was trying to get trained to give MVDA talks so I can give them to youth because a lot of youth don't really feel comfortable having an adult mod like facilitator for the entire time and when I was getting trained, I remember feeling like very out of place because it was me and then another youth and then all the other just were like 30, 40 year olds. Um, and they kind of kind of were ostracizing in a way that like was well intentioned because they were like, oh, these little kids, like we don't want to like corrupt them. But it just kind of just felt awkward. Um, and as we have kind of evolved and as they get to know us, they kind of become more accepting and like sometimes even like rely on us too much like a lot of the times xr youth um xr adults like us relies on us as youth to kind of do their comms or um xr xr adults new york city kind of like debriefs with us to kind of see how they're doing better so a lot of the time it's either one side of the spectrum or the other where they're completely dismissing us or they're completely relying on us um and i think in this episode, we kind of can see how to find a, like a good in between. Absolutely, and youth want to do things other than just organizing in terms of doing comms. Really, you need to train that next generation of activists and give them all the logistical tools, um, and just let them like make their own tracks even from a young age instead of trying to like gatekeep the movement. I think. 
Yeah, we actually talked a little bit about the dynamics and how to find a good in-between in the episode. Um, One thing that I've seen, especially when comparing youth and adult spaces, is that there's a very different dynamic that happens, especially when um, youth are involved in adult space, um, because a lot of the adults see it as an add-on to their jobs because they the majority if not all of xr activists and all climate activists do it as more of an outside activity versus i feel like a lot of more youth are fully in and this is their entire lives how do you guys um have you guys seen that and then how did you guys deal with that when like trying to um, navigate through that i think uh, i i agree with what you said i think a lot of like teenagers and youth activists do it more full-time than adults um, but I think that, like, I don't, um, a good strategy for working it out is, like, have someone who's, like, I think for us, we have, um, someone who's a little bit older in our youth group that has connections with the older people. This person gets the information from the older people and relays it back to us, and so we kind of, like, with anything that we can work out as a group, this person will go and um, ask the older older adults for help. I think that's a great strategy to have because um, fostering relationships with the older members of XR or within the movement in general is so important. Um, I have not personally experienced a lot of uh, adults um, not focusing on it as much. It's kind of been the opposite. A lot of the um, XR Charlotte members are retired and this is like their main focus and they are really really passionate and sometimes even more so than the youth of like getting events and making sure that there's like zoom calls every week and making sure that everybody has the correct like NVDA training um and they have always you know made themselves available especially to youth we have working group members who are as young as 12 right now so they're always like offering rides if we have like events or like I can carpool I don't work like I'll just not like get my grandchildren this day and you know just like really always trying to make sure that they are supporting us as best as they can I definitely could see how um in other situations though it could feel like or it is that there are adults who aren't as, um, you know, passionate or invested as youth are. It's nice to hear from Chrissy and Josie that some adults really are doing well when it comes to supporting the youth that they organize with. I think those material ways that adults can support are really important. I think last episode, Ollie brought up the fact that youth don't have access to the same things that adults do. So that's one of those really tangible things you can do as an older organizer to help the youth that you work with. Yeah, I completely agree. Looking back on what um, Chrissy said, I think it's really important to realize that a lot of the adults are retired and they've lived their entire lives kind of fighting this fight, even if even if it was passively and we kind of don't have the same luxury. So when we organize with them, I feel like we had definitely have a different way and more of like a grungy, like we need to do this now, rebellion, like in the spirit of love and rage kind of way of doing things. And I feel like that's really important, especially us being youth and being, yeah, so this is our childhood and we're kind of growing up 
on organizing growing up on dealing with the climate crisis and learning about it like my elementary school education we learned about how the polar bears were dying um, because the ice was melting and um, it's only gotten worse from there now we're starting to deal with like learning about um, mass like um, starvation and conflict starting from the climate crisis and it is kind of something that when we're looking back and I kind of, we touched this briefly on the episode, like how we're going to look back on our childhood. Do you guys feel when you look back, you, you're going to think, wow, I really missed out on my childhood. Like, wow, I like missed this dance or I missed this like movie night with all my friends to organize or to go to a protest. Um, I don't think so. I think that part of like my childhood, part of the most enjoyable part of it was getting to experience firsthand striking but also saving future generations so i mean if i can't have a childhood at least my kids will so that's that's part of like the biggest thing it just feels reassuring i 100 percent agree with that i think that um in the end if it all works out i'll have no regrets about my decisions that i've made Um, And I think it also really helps when you have friends within the movement because it doesn't seem like you're doing this by yourself and it's like lonely um, or isolating, especially like if you're striking, but like you're with your friends. It doesn't feel like just this mundane activity that you're forced to do. You want to go. You enjoy going. It's something that you are passionate about. And then you also have the people surrounding you that are like-minded. So I don't think that I will um, miss out or feel like I have missed out on anything. I just feel like I'll definitely understand that my childhood could have been different. There are other people that have had different experiences, um, but that doesn't make mine any less special. Great. Um, Switching gears just a little bit, the youth have obviously generated a lot of momentum around the climate crisis. Um, A lot more one could probably say, than their adult counterparts have in a lot of more years of organizing. Where do you think the line is between supporting that momentum and abusing the momentum or riding off of the momentum and using it to prop up sort of their own adult activism? Chrissy said something about like when you go somewhere and there's adults but they don't they use it just to like check off the box of like we've had youth activists here um that's defeating in a way it's kind of just like it kind of takes away from the original purpose of fighting for the climate crisis um it's more about for their popularity and stuff but i think it comes down to personal experience because sometimes you get people like that but then other times you get people that are like i support you i love that you're doing this if you don't need if you need anything i'm here like if, so it so it comes down to personal experience and like different types of people i guess i um i agree i think that as i said before um that the adults can be feeling like a mixture of things surrounding youth being able to, you know, push this movement more in a few years than they have probably in like 50. And I think that has to do with the power that we have, but also the outreach that we have um, that they just did not have access to. Like social media was not a thing. They didn't have the same resources 
Um, and so we have used the tools that have been made available for us and we have like executed it excellently. And I think that is something to support. I personally have experienced a lot of support from adults and, um, you know, if there's like an interview opportunity, they will always pass it along. Um, and like make sure that a voice has been heard at least from like one youth um, as well as some adults. So I think that again, it's just all, it all comes down to remembering that we're, we're fighting for the same thing um, and respecting one another's voices and opinions um, and just not, not being so egocentric. I think that a lot of us want to be like the name that is remembered um, and sometimes you're not going to have a name that's remembered, but that doesn't make your work any less valuable. Um, and so just realizing that it, you're not always going to get recognition for what you do. And, um, you know, even if somebody comes along who's like 14 years old and makes this huge stir and changes the world like that the work that you put in before that is still important and it's still respected. So I think, um, I think that at the end of the day, when all is said and done <laughs> and we get what we want and hopefully we're able to change the system, um, we're all just going to look at each other and say like, we did this as a collective and it won't be about the individual person. I think that's a really hopeful place to wrap things up for this episode. I really hope that it's the case that at the end of all this, when we've figured out the climate and ecological crisis, that we can celebrate our collective achievements and every unique contribution that everyone brought to the movement, and we can all move forward into a more just and livable future. 100%, me too. If you want to find out more information about XR Youth US, or if you want to join us, you can find us on social media at, at XR Youth. US or on our website, xryouthus.org. Um, if you have any questions, just DM us and we're happy to respond. We respond quickly. We have a social media team just for that. So yeah. Awesome. And next time we're going to hear from all of the wonderful youth voices we've heard so far and have them in conversation with some of the adults they organize with on a regular basis. I know I'm really looking forward to that one. Yeah, I definitely think it's going to be a perfect way to end the series. Thanks everyone for listening. I'm Alejandro Vasquez. And I'm Michaela Herman. See you next time.